0: Back for another episode of the Capes and Tights podcast right here on capesandtights.com. I'm your host, Justin Soderberg. This week, we chatted with Liana Kangas, creator, writer, artist extraordinaire of comic books out there on this world, but known for their work on IDW's True Cult, which wrapped up in December and is heading to a trade paperback this coming summer, as well as Know Your Station over at Boom Studios, which last issue comes out this April and again is also heading to a trade paperback in the fall. We talked comic books, we talked a bunch of different stuff on here. What a great episode. Liana is such a treat to have on the podcast. So I want everybody to enjoy this, but before you do check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as visit our website capesandtights.com for a lot more content and subscribe, rate, review five stars, please, on Spotify and Apple and all your major podcasting platforms. This is Liana Kangas, Artist on Know Your Station, as well as True Cult, and much more on variant covers around the world. Enjoy, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. How are you?
1: Good. How are you? Thank you for inviting me on. By the way, I really appreciate Absolutely.
0: it. I love this like pleasantries. Like, oh, it's the first time we've talked. This is uh, hello. Hello. Like, like, we're, just, we're just meeting each other for this moment. We press record. I already, I press record prior to you even signing on so that you're caught off guard. I right
1: in. Yeah, yeah.
0: But, uh, and, and so how's the weather?
1: The weather actually, like, for the first time in a long time, it's been like 75 degrees, quite perfect. It's a little bit uh, chilly this morning, probably in the 60s. Uh, no rain, can't complain, but then I'll drive to Chicago on Wednesday and it is just absolutely miserable. So really, truly just leaving this perfect uh, weather behind for convention, I guess. Well, it snowed fine. here yesterday, so that's fine. It's, it's... Oh, no.
0: Well, no, a mixture of snow. I guess, no, Saturday night into Sunday, it was like a mixture of snow and rain. It's like getting to the end. This week, is supposed to have a little bit of flurries here and there, but we're getting to the end in Maine. But I really can't complain because... I love it here. I love the seasons. I love everything about it. I do have an office that's very cold, so I'm getting to the point where I'm very happy to not have the space heater running.
1: <laughs> I discovered using a space heater while I work despite the temperature and I think it's it works really well for me. I truly truly like it. Just have my little socks on, you know, don't necessarily have to put my shoes on, have this little space heater running.
0: Well, I have this little like, you know, thermostat thing here and Every once in a while, I'll like turn on, I'll get work and I'm like, wow, it's getting hot in here. And I look and it's like, oh, it's 78 in here. I should probably turn the space heater.
1: Up. Oh my gosh. That space heater's and, doing the real job right there.
0: And it's old, not old. Working its like, ass off. When I moved to Massachusetts in 2012, maybe, um, I lived in this really crappy apartment and my, my dad was like, oh, I'll help you out. I'll get you one of those ones that look like a fireplace. And mm-hmm. so it's got like, it looks like almost like a pellet stove or a wood stove, like uh, metal and all that stuff. It's pretty cool. And it's worked ever since. And I used to use it all the time there. Yeah, and then I put it away when I moved into a house that actually had insulation. And then I pulled it back out because I'm like, oh, it would work great here in the office because it's really cold in here. And uh, yeah, but it, it does work pretty well. It's 77.4, supposedly, according to that thing. It is right next to my computer. So it's probably a little bit of an aerial the heat around it. Still, mm-hmm. it's, it's like a little here. piece
1: of decor and functional, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. it's nice. I, I would love it. in the summertime, I'll probably just turn it on with just the flames just so I can see the flames rolling. Or mm-hmm. it.
1: it gives a vibe. Yeah. yeah. It's like
0: the, it's like the TV that has the, um, the, the fireplaces on it, which I never really got. Cause your TV is like up on the wall and the fire. Just just people like...
1: have their floating fireplaces. You know, I feel
0: like I'd turn and be like, Oh my God, the wall's on fire. No. Um, <laughs> So we're here to talk comic books or, or anything, really, but uh, but really, your career is comic books. So I love to start out with when we talk conversations about things, about how you got into comic books, reading, collecting, but also how that morphed into making it your career. Uh, so if you want to jump in and let me know a little bit about your comic yeah. book origin, origin story.
1: <clears throat> My origin story, how I became a villain, is uh, <laughs> I, you know, I think I... I read a lot of manga as a young, young teen. And I had read some comics here and there, like if I had friends that had single issues, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really like a collector until I think I discovered, oh my God, it's so embarrassing. Um, it's not embarrassing, but I, I read a lot of like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac and things like that. And I was like, I'm going to find all of these and try to buy them. Uh, And I at the time I think I had discovered so like my main source of reading manga or comics was mostly Barnes and Noble, um, R.I.P. to a lot of them. Uh, But they're adding
0: one in Maine. I'm not joking about that. (laughs)
1: Good, good. Uh, Everything's healing. Um, So there was an anime store next to my high school. But then I had discovered the comic shop, which ended up becoming my comic shop. And uh, the people that worked there at the time were, like, super chill and, like, you know, just kind of let me dig through bins for a while. And I ended up, you know, going there fairly often. Like, I had discovered that, like, Dark Horse had printed a lot of biz stuff, which was interesting. You know, single issues. Um, I often like to say, you know, like, I started out, like, with Archie Digest as a kid because it was the thing to like shut kids up when you know, you're cashing out at the grocery store, things like that. But I think the majority of like how I started was like manga and then switching over to like single issues and then starting to kind of hang out at that shop, uh, Famous Faces back in Florida and uh, ended up kind of becoming friends with some of them and uh, started kind of helping out at conventions. Um, hanging out and collecting more books, and I ended up, you know, kind of collecting like majority of what I ended up really enjoying, which was uh, a lot of DC comic stuff. Um, really love Robin. Robin's like one of my favorite IP characters. So collected a lot of that stuff, and it kind of snowballed from there to um, when I would meet all of my favorite artists and writers. I had a really good time, like, interacting with them at conventions, and so I think at some point I was just like, oh, it'd be really fun to make a comic, and then I did, and it was cool because, you know, I don't think anyone's uh, entrance into working in comics is linear, like, I don't think anyone's is linear at all, but I've had, like, you know, similar things happen amongst, like, some of my peers, but the one thing that I will say was like the support of my peers was kind of what helped the break in. Right. Um, and like not giving up, like I am not the type of person that will, uh, easily give up. Like I'm very stubborn. And so I think as long as you have the tenacity to just like keep, uh, apologies, my old Nokia ringer phone just went off. Um, so breaking in not linear uh and primarily the support of my peers and also the support of like my local shop which was uh rick from famous Spaces, like anytime there was an event he'd be like hey do you want to come sketch and like hang out with everybody and like you can sell your sketches and things like that so i think the support of like being able to open the door just a little bit and then you know Um, support from friends online or support from, um, you know, going to local cons and like meeting people and things like that. So I think that that solely, fully developed how I would guess that I'm in comics today, right? Um, And building a fantastic and wonderful community that also love comics and like weird stuff as much as me, so...
0: I mean have you always been artistic like this or like was that something from a young age you've always like drawn sketches and doodles and stuff, things like that
1: yeah um so my grandpa who raised me actually was like a professional artist and he taught um college I think briefly for art and he also I, like fostered a lot of you know whatever I wanted to do like he was like okay we'll figure that out and like you know I'm pretty sure I was, like, allowed to oil paint at, like, nine years old. Um, Did I do it well? Absolutely not. But, you know, maybe that's part of my origin story for becoming a villain, because I was, like, so mad I couldn't do that. Um, And uh, even when I was applying for colleges um, and stuff like that, I wanted to, I think, originally go to Ringling, um, because it was pretty close to where, you know, I was locally at that time and um, I had realized it was very expensive and so that like wasn't gonna work for me so even going to like a community college and sort of like taking advice from every sort of like art influence in my life I think has brought me to like finding my style or you know um, how I process work and like obviously that's also influenced by peers as well like I'm actually in a studio with uh, a wonderful illustrator and graphic designer and like even being in a similar space or like a closed space with somebody like that as well, it it tends to like influence and, you know, reflect in your work. And um, I would say uh, the primary way I essentially did art was the support of my grandpa. Mm -hmm. So I think I've went through every form of format. Like I did do oil painting for a while and, uh, I did do graphic design as a job for a really long time. And I also did illustration. I briefly had a stint of like, um, like news article illustration and, um, yeah, uh, storytelling was always like really interesting to me, and so I just like wouldn't let it go. And I think that's how eventually, when I did turn to comics, it just like has only been comics for the last since like twenty seventeen.
0: Which, which <clears throat> excuse me, I love hearing people's origin stories or what they come from because they're all different. We don't, I don't think one of them have been the same on on talking to different people on this podcast, where people are like, "Oh yeah," I'm like, "Oh yeah," that was just like and so's uh and, yeah. and it's unique in that sense but now you're in it now you're now you're stuck in it sorry
1: unfortunately uh comics likes to take a hold of you and then like just not let go and i think that works great with how stubborn i am so i guess i'm married to comics now and uh divorce is not an option so <laughs>
0: And this marriage won't let you down. Wait, yes, it will. <laughs> at some yeah, point, it will yeah. No,
1: <laughs> okay. I don't entirely agree uh, with that statement half the time, only because I think when you love something that much, you need to reflect and understand that uh, comics will grow just as much as you will grow. And sometimes you just don't grow at the same time, and that's okay, so...
0: I love how you say like you're we we mentioned this stuck in it and things like that. It's hard to let go. It's get your grasps in you. Uh, I I listened to um, uh, David Harper was interviewing Chip Zdarsky, and they were talking yes, about like yeah. they wanted to, like, when they eventually wanted to end their career. It's like I I just feel like it's like one of those things that after a while you'll just be like, oh yeah, I'm still doing this. I'm not totally retired from comics yet. I'm still doing this or or whatever. And it's like it's never gonna actually be the end. Oh of yeah, something. yeah. When
1: Chip was talking about drawing, yeah. Yes. Uh I, I relate to that heavily. A lot of folks have asked if I'm going to switch like completely over to writing because I've been writing a lot more mm-hmm. and I'm just like, oh no, unless it just becomes so inherently way too easy for me to give up and make somehow just as much money as drawing, definitely not switching over.
0: Well, I mean, I have you have to also time- mix it up.
1: Yeah. And like, uh, actually, speaking of Chip, I, when he had first started Daredevil, I think I was talking to him. It was like back in 20. What was that? And I was talking to him in 2019. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of asking, like, I think I had asked a process question. And he was saying something about how he was doing like research for like, the American judicial, like, uh, jail system and like, uh, our prison system and things like that. And I was just like, Oh, God, that sounds like so much work to write a comic book. Like, that is so stressful. All I have to do is look at cute pictures of reference for what a costume looked like. Um, Don't get me wrong. This is not the who does more work uh, debate, right? But, which obviously we all know who wins. But (laughs) as somebody who enjoys drawing a lot more than doing research, (laughs) I will say... I personally would not switch over to writing solely.
0: And if you wanted to get an idea of what a burger joint looked like, you could just walk into a burger joint.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) And get lunch at the same time. Can I time travel to the 80s? You know, it might
1: take a little bit more time to find one that's not completely renovated,
0: but, you know, it's fine. Um, Yeah, so, like, it was me, and I was working on comic books fully. It's the same thing with this, the podcast. I, I could do every single thing via audio, video, podcasts, like all the time. But sometimes it's like, you know, you can only do so much I mentioned to you before we started recording about going from one a week to two a week and timing and all that stuff. And sometimes yeah. written word for me is just as good. I mean, we have a star Wars week coming up the first week of may and I have three podcasts lined up to release that week. They're not all being recorded that week, but three to release that week. But we also interviewed uh, David Messina and, and someone named Chris Ken- Kennett, who Chris Kennett actually draws, illustrates the um little golden books, star Wars books, uh, which was kind of a cool little twist on that. But we did those via, email interview so I just asked them a few questions oh, yeah. they gave me some questions back so like that was so I can get that done I can then process and and write it and take some time over it and so on and so forth there's no mm-hmm. scheduling you do it on your free time and so sometimes to me I don't feel like I could do just do this this way I feel like I would have to have both so I feel like the, the illustrating and you know in writing having a mixture of both I, I I know a lot of people out there saying it's very difficult to do both for the same book mm-hmm there's oh yeah,
1: like, I've had a lot of people ask if I've I've only done a couple shorts mm-hmm. completely myself, writing and drawing. Um, and a lot of people ask if I'm ever going to do that. The answer is yes, but uh, my second answer to that is reluctantly because <laughs> I prefer to collaborate with somebody else. Like even when I write, most of the time I am co-writing with Jasmine Stone. At mm-hmm. this point, um, Jasmine and I work great together. And it's 10 times more enjoyable when you have somebody else that you can like bounce ideas off of, get things done. Um, sometimes ideas are cooler when it's passed back and forth, you know, like it's not in an echo chamber. Right. And so, uh, I find that a lot of times, one of the reasons why this format and like medium is so great is that it is entirely collaborative. So, uh, if I was left to my own devices, I don't know how the book would come out. I mean, it would come out amazing, obviously, but uh, you know, how long it takes to get there, we'll see. We'll see. Exactly,
0: exactly. And, and so you see, but you see a lot of artists go back and forth on these things. And I mentioned before we recorded too that I'm a big Scotty Young fan, and Scotty's been doing that a lot too. He hasn't given up fully on illustrating, but even his mm-hmm. baby and I Hate Fairyland, he's now letting someone else illustrate the inside of the book. And do the interior while he's still writing it. So there's still that you know having to separate maybe a little bit more depending on what jobs you get and what what you what, what your you know piques your fancy at that moment. Um but yeah. I just don't see it ever like anybody in any whenever they break into co- the comics industry with ever fully getting rid of what they actually broke in with and and changing to something else or so on and so forth. So I think you forever you're going to do both. But like what you find enjoyment at the time is what you do. <laughs> Or wh- whoever's yeah. paying you at the time was what you do. <laughs> also,
1: that yes, who's my boss at that moment? Yeah. We'll see.
0: <laughs> but you mentioned so so before we record it too. You mentioned that you have two comic books that came out recently too, and, and and you I I I've heard you on David Harper's podcast off panel, which is you did a great. He's he's a great podcaster, unbelievable guy. Um, but um, we're here to talk about True Cult, which obviously came out wrapped up recently, and the in the trade is coming out what this. Uh, the summer no i think
1: it's august maybe august <laughs> no, yes august my, yeah it's august mm-hmm. august
0: 1st according to the interwebs um but that was out august of last year until mm-hmm. december of last year and then you have uh, know your station which is currently um being printed now right so that's uh five mini series comes actually ends in april doesn't it
1: i'm pretty sure yeah. it comes out either next week
0: <laughs> yes yeah. yeah yeah april 19th <laughs> there you go I have these notes, Dad. I just wanted to test you to see if you knew. Uh, and then that trade will hopefully come out before the end of the year as well. And, and so, True Cult is where I honestly, will be honest with you, found out about you. Is that okay? Oh, awesome. Is that okay to yeah. say? Um, True Cult, yeah, how dare obviously. You not
1: pick up a very niche anthology. That i was in first and foremost prior to that <laughs> i mean my my only other two books prior to that were she said destroy and um black af devil side which is black mask and Vault." so unless you're uh you know an avid collector of extreme sci-fi fantasy and things like that you would have found me at true cult
0: yeah see so true Cult uh, is yeah. where i found you true Cult is the, the colors uh, the team you guys work with there is, is uh, the creative team is amazing uh, uh, on that book for sure. Actually, we had DC Hopkins on um, about ten episodes ago, uh, who was dude. the letterer for True but which actually mm-hmm. DC. If you listen to this episode, uh, you have something for me. You're just a mail back to me. So <laughs> he's yeah, in the doghouse now. No, come on, he's too busy playing video games. No, um, and you <laughs> you worked on that with Scott Bryan Wilson, and who was the colorist on that? Do you remember?
1: Gab Contreras.
0: Yes, Gab. Mm -hmm. I didn't write that And we
1: also had um, Jimmy Savage did color assisting, so he did all the flats. And then Jaslyn Stone was the marketing, branding, Mm -hmm. um, etc. Jack of all trades.
0: It's a fun book. Uh, Did you have fun working on it?
1: Oh, absolutely. That's the funnest I think I've... Because it was creator-owned and we had full control over it prior to even bringing it to a publisher mm-hmm. it's the opportunities were limitless you know it was really a interesting play on how to do your own book as if you brought it to image essentially mm-hmm. um full control even having the print the one issue that we printed for kickstarter uh we were released the rest digitally and then idw was interested in um Uh, picking it up which was awesome because it gave like that second life and we like brought it to five issues as opposed to four um you know extra content even cooler because it's in print as somebody who collects single issues Scott and I were very stoked about that we're both you know big comic collectors um and also like IDW was just as invested in it as we were so like they very much were like huge support of doing signings at like San Diego and and you know, like doing fun stuff. Like Sam Mags interviewed me for uh, for the like IDW Instagram and stuff like that, and like did fun stuff with that. And very much just an ever growing uh, world building experience. Because you know, much like you asking to me, me asking me to be on the podcast, yeah. a lot of folks like will reach out and be like, "Hey, is there a second one?" Hey, is there like any other stuff? You know, like yeah. it's really nice to have it be such a niche, interesting like world building experience, and have people be so invested in it.
0: And it came out obviously. You mentioned the Kickstarter thing too, but it came out in that group of IDW originals that was just killer. <laughs> like all of them were amazing. Like there's just <clears throat> there was like five or six of them that came out over the past year or so, and True Cult ended up being in the mix with all those ones, and it was just you couldn't have had better. Brothers and sisters in that, yeah. in that time, in my opinion. I, I we've had a number of them on the podcast to talk about things. And it's just been amazing to just be able to read these books and, and read these creators and, and see these art this artwork and that group that IDW just seems to be killing it right now with those IDW originals. Yeah.
1: And what was even cooler about that is it seemed that they were just as invested in the creators. Like I got to do variant covers for almost all of the originals that got released with that line, like crashing was one of them such a fun book uh dark spaces like hayden is one of my favorite artists and getting to do a variant cover for hayden and scott snyder i was Mm -hmm. like you don't have to twist my arm (laughs) i am ready to do it you know it's just like such a cool experience and you know i've stayed with idw since true call like do a lot of star trek work which is Mm -hmm. amazing heather antos is like Completely revitalized the Star Trek line for comics, and um, you know, I have a couple other editors over there that you know let me kind of do my thing with variant covers, which is awesome because it's like my first love. That's like originally what I wanted to do was do variant covers, so I did that like listened to that and was like, "Yeah, sure." And like, it's just really cool. They they rule, and uh, they made True Cult such a fun experience to like re live and Mm -hmm. like almost kind of um we had a lot more enjoyment out of it with our editor chase and Mm -hmm. um assistant editor jake and like just very fun very very
0: fun and if you want to grab people's attentions, you put uh, a burger joint on the front cover with bright colors and the word cult on it.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. and exactly. The,
0: and using Vs instead of Us and things like that and Ks instead of Cs, it just draws people in. It's great. It looks very attractive uh, for people to look at. So that, I hate it. What did I say to someone the other day? They were talking about, I forget what it was. They were mentioning something. that I was at my LCS and they were like, oh, and I was like, oh, so you're judging a book by its cover? And then he immediately came back to me and says, yes, look at this shelf. That's all we do here. I was like, oh, okay. That's literally what
1: yeah, <laughs> parent covers are for.
0: You're shoving that in the face that you're judging a book by its cover because, oh, yeah, we a lot of us look at these covers and go, oh, I want that one. And then open it up and look and so on. But like, yeah, it was kind of funny how you shoved me back, back in my face. But yeah, it's like, it's like the colors, the, the the whole idea. The first issue I've read like five or six times because – I just love it and, and I love the whole thing but like the idea that there's just so much going on but also like I said but there's also a, a storyline to it uh, that you can also follow but I, we mentioned the single issues and you mentioned prior to maybe not reading as many as we possibly can and want to uh, that the funny thing is I was meant to I forgot to mention to you that a lot of these single issues that are behind me I've read issue one and maybe not the rest of them yet. <laughs>
1: You know, that's always my problem. And then I'm like, ooh, the trade's out. And then <laughs> also buy the trade. And I'm like, this is double the amount of books that I should actually physically own in a space. But here we are anyway.
0: <laughs> and that's funny because I, I, I'm part of a book club that have, that meets every every month at my LCS. We read a graphic novel or a trade and we discuss it once a month and so on. It's a great group of people. And we've done now. I don't know, maybe three or four of them that I own all the single issues of the book. And I still was like, okay, but I also want the whole idea about the book club really behind the scenes is the LCS is looking to another way to make money. It's their job. Mm -hmm. They want to sell books. And so if we make this book club that people are forced to buy the trade or the graphic novel, then I'll obviously profit off of that as well. And it's like, he's not trying to hide it either. That's that's what part of it is, but it's also world building or community building. I mean, uh, and so like but I go out there, I'm like, okay, but I already own the single issues of these things. And I'm like, nah, I guess I'll support the LCS and put a book on my shelf over here and buy the trade as well. So I've been able to do that as well. But I have had to read them all for the book club because I can't go in there being like, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so on my wish list for the book club to read are Is True Cult's uh, trade when that comes out. So let's let's make sure that- Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, so obviously you mentioned uh, variant covers, but like, what, so you would you- I say, would you rather, but is it more fun doing variant covers than, than the same sequential panels over again? Or is it just something different?
1: I think it's just something different, like doing an illustration and like spending a lot of time on it and making, I mean, it's kind of like marketing, right? Like there's a a whole process behind like the piece has to be complete in itself and have good composition and work well with the designers like uh layout of the cover and like everything like that so it's like kind of problem solving to me sort of like how laying out a page sequentially would be but it's also like rendering uh making this a final product that's like worthy of print and and or advertising and marketing and i just find it to be really fun and i as somebody who also likes collecting certain artists, variant covers and things like that. Um, that's what kind of drew me to that. It There's just like this whole side of the industry, like beyond collecting single issues for whatever it may be, whether you're reading it or like you're collecting it for collector value or anything like that. But for me, it's the art side of the industry. And so I really enjoy like, most of my variant covers now are on you know i draw them on paper and so it's cool that it's almost in the art collector's side along with variant covers um but it's also like following your favorite artist and like getting to collect that and then like getting to buy an original piece and like i i enjoy that side of the industry i think it's very um I wouldn't say it's like a smaller side of the industry. I just think that it's very niche. Mm -hmm. And so like uh, these companies that have, you know, art reps sort of like, you know, cadence or essential sequential and things like that. Like it's really cool to see that they have like a presence at conventions and like involve the customers, you know, with the experience of like getting to see your favorite creators and like getting special things from them. Like, um, Tula Lote is one of my favorite artists and like, I love her art books that they'll drop once in a while. And sometimes you can get like an original, like mini sketch, like book plate mm-hmm. that she's done. And so it's things like that where it's like, yeah, I also collect her covers, you know, with, uh, especially if I see like a new series that has one of her covers I'm like, oh, I'll pick that up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like another way of getting introduced to more, interesting stories and new creators too like I think that it's a really fun avenue to for when one of my editors asked me to do a variant cover I have a lot of fun with it because one I get to read the book immediately mm-hmm. which is awesome so I get to read it before it even comes out number two I get introduced to new creators like that I wouldn't maybe necessarily find immediately from just like shopping off the shelf and three like you're investing your time and energy and like promoting their book and so it's fun to like make you know new friendships or peers or like you know even sometimes new collaborators you meet that way so um yeah I just think it's a really cool part of the industry and it's like one of my favorite things to do and even though it's different than storytelling it's definitely very very fun um and I get to play around with color a lot because like coloring sequentials is very time consuming. Mm-hmm. And so um, I like to color in my own work and I almost prefer it with covers. Um, so it gives me a chance to like have a little bit of fun and like draw something new, you know?
0: Uh, and I mentioned this with DC Hopkins too, we mentioned earlier that the, the lettering books gives you an opportunity to work on a bunch of different books that you might not actually have time to work on like by illustrator or have a have the opportunity to partner and be the interior artist on but variant covers are very similar in that sense where you get to lurk on a lot of different properties that they're not hiring you to do the entire interior which means that you don't have to worry about that time and energy and effort yeah you can literally just do that one thing but now you have the opportunity to work on star trek and the different idw originals and all this other stuff that you mm-hmm. have a now you have a piece of that book now you're now you're part of that To be part of that creative team in a sense. And it's kind of cool. I was was thinking about, we talked about comic conventions uh, and how I help with some of the graphics just the comic conventions in my area. And I was doing one for Kane Hodder, who played Jason Friday the 13th. And I realized that he's been in a bunch of stuff, but nothing that people would know about other than Friday the 13th and maybe Hatchet. And so I was doing his, like, you may know him from. And I was like, Friday the 13th. And I was thinking, I was like laughing about the fact that that's all I really can put in here with someone actually didn't recognize him from. So now you as a variant artist too, could be like known for him, true call, know your station and then comma. And then you list a bunch of different variant covers that you've done. And now yeah. you're known for all those things.
1: <laughs> you would never guess that I've worked on like, I mean, to not to list my own accolades, but like it's, star Wars, star Trek, yeah. the RZA, like when someone's like, you know, like, where like where the pendulum swings in terms of like what i can say that i've worked on like satanic metal uh burger joint and then uh pin up for like z2's book that yeah. they collaborated with with the like i've done like blondie stuff and like joan Jet and um just kind of interesting and like obviously i'm forgetting a whole bunch off the top oh, yeah. of my head yeah. because i don't have my website up or anything <laughs> but you kind of start losing track unless you're like constantly like doing stuff for that half the time so it's it's uh yeah i i like that it kind of adds a lot of variety because it uh, because like you said it doesn't take a lot of time and like the projects are shorter um and it and too it's like nice to be a part of something like i'm doing all the b covers for like end after end which is a <laughs> vault series that tim daniel and db andry are co-writing and they both have been two major parts of like um like in the industry like i often call tim daniel like my dad um he's like my comics dad essentially mm-hmm. but like i've gotten to work with him a lot like having had done she said destroy at fault but it's very much like nice to feel like part of the family quote-unquote mm-hmm. when you're working with people that you like adore and respect and you get to have like this little small part of being involved and like included in everything which is very nice I I think that's one of my favorite parts is mostly getting to interact and like experience the joy of like their book coming out and them figuring out like you know the next issue or like You know, like seeing what they do to like character design for this new character. It's very fun because unless you're, you know, working on the book as the sequential artist or one of the other people on the team, you're likely not going to experience any of that unless they're one of your best friends, right? And they're like texting you about it or something. So (laughs) it's I I think that's one of my favorite parts too. Is like kind of being like the like on the sidelines. You're not a creator on the book, but like. I don't know. Like you feel like you're part of a club.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say I always, I did laugh a little bit when I was younger and my brother and I, we were associated with like local bands and we'd go on like mini tours or play shows and things like that. And I would always run the merge table. Cause I'm very good at, I'm a good manager and I'm a good like project director. But I can like, see that
1: for you. I don't <laughs> know not- why, but I'm like, <laughs> yep.
0: But I'm not as good as like, and I, 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 if you look the stuff that's behind the scenes on scheduling and getting things in place for the podcast and, and, and our website, as a lot of like I could just do that spreadsheets and things like that. I'm very good at that. I'm not as good as like my entire family is musical. Like they can sing and they can all play multiple instruments. I can do neither. And so I was always the person like at the at at the uh, merch booth, just selling things and so on and so forth. But I used to love when my brother would play like seven stages over from like a major act and it didn't even play on the same day, but it was at the same festival. And so when they would tell people like, who have you played with? He'd be like, you know, I played with Marilyn Manson. And it was like, did you really, really open up? No, he played at a generator stage. that was like three days prior to when Marilyn Manson played, but always would tell people that he played with Marilyn Manson. And I was just like laughing because You could technically do that with like a Star Wars creator or a Star Wars book or something like that. Like, I worked with so and so, and really all you did was a varying cover. You didn't actually create (laughs) the property. Like, it's just one of those weird things that, like, it was you should be able to. It's not lying, uh, but like one of those things that you can add to that to your quote unquote resume of stuff that you've worked with so and so and so and so. Although, you just did a variant and just. I hate to say you. you only did a variant cover uh, and not Uh the actual like full series or so on. But uh, I always equated that with artists uh, variant covers. Like I did so-and-so or so-and-so did this or whatever, but yeah.
1: It's funny Um, you say that because I've been in a couple books that have won like Eisner's or Ringo's. And so I think some people see that and accidentally have listed me as like a Ringo or Eisner award winner. I'm like, as much as I would love to be an Eisner award winner, um, maybe we remove that because that's not accurate and or true um, or let's reword it to say that I have been in a book uh,
0: that is a word, winning yes.
1: yeah yeah um, <laughs> and that like stresses me out so much because I never want to be that guy because I'm waiting for the day that I am that guy and I can't wait for that but I don't want to be that guy that's like um, you know like I have been in a million award I mean it's very nice to be surrounded by incredible talent and phenomenal Mm -hmm. creators that are award-winning and they deserve all the accolades not me as a byline on a you know article or something you know what I mean I'd rather that effort go towards the actual award winner (laughs) but it's cool though because um I that's the best part of this community is that everyone's like uplifting each other and like very much um you know you're just as included in saying that you should be allowed to be like yeah I worked on a Marilyn Manson tour yes I mean <laughs> in some sort of fashion adjacently
0: mm-hmm. I mean it's also one of those things that for him it was always like let's be honest the band was never gonna be any bigger than this so like if this is what he could hang his hat on was this would be perfect I mean my dad to this day my dad used to play in rock bands growing up and uh, he used to like, he played with a couple of people like heart or things like that. He's always been like, Oh, I opened up for this person in the same thing. It's like, that's always been to hang his hat on. Cause that's the pin- pinnacle of his music career was opening up for heart. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure that's great that's I mean, a huge they, <laughs> that's pretty cool it is but like they have no idea who you are <laughs> like yeah, they yeah didn't even know you were there they were just backstage so like he never met them he just played on the same stage as that which is fine like i said you have the right to do that you get to that point you had the opportunity to do that uh but i'm just laughing about um how you can say now you're part of you literally go on and on and on but variant covers also are beneficial to upstart artists In my opinion, we we, people could talk about variant covers all day long, and positives, negatives, and all the different things that are out there. Variant covers, but like the number of people have learned about their artwork based on a major book or some sort of book having a store exclusive variant or just a variant cover that was given this person an opportunity. Uh, I had never heard of Gavin Smith before, and and Gavin just got the just announced over the weekend that uh, he uh, he's doing um the TMNT. Yeah. titles at number 140 i had never heard of him until a variant cover for for lost years uh tmnt last word in last year so like that's that's obviously somewhat my fault but in the same sense like that's an opportunity where i heard of someone based on a variant cover and now i'm like oh cool now i'm looking forward to tmnt 140 this june with 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 them doing the interior you art. you know what it. that so,
1: means you have to buy dead legends his book with uh yes um maddox i think you dig it it's it's well, really good
0: I, I want, and that's the, the problem is, is when you learn about someone more, now it's like more you added to your reading list. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Just stop people. stop getting good people out there. We need to yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, but like my buddy, Bob um, to who who is writing is he's writing and drawing his own book called good boy Paws. It's a, it's a book about dogs. Uh, and he, he's very excited about it. He's, he's very meticulous, a very amazing artist. Um, but he has the opportunity every once in a while, he did a last Ronin number one variant cover He's done other variant covers for, he did an Armageddon game variant cover. And then he did one for, we did an exclusive Capes and Tights podcast in my local comic book shop, Galactic Comics, did a store exclusive variant for um, Joseph Schmalky's Seven Years in Darkness, and he did the cover for that. And so like, but that's an opportunity for someone who may never have heard of him or seen mm-hmm. his artwork or anything, get an opportunity to see these things. So it's almost like a adding to your resume for some of these artists who who just get these variant covers and some people make a living and that's all they do. Like it's all they ever yep. do is variant cover which is great you get to work on a bunch of different projects you're always something new um but some people have gotten like long-term gigs based off of a variant cover which is pretty cool so in my opinion variant covers are amazing for those opportunities and absolutely for me as a single issue collector i'm a huge collector of certain people like i mentioned scotty young i'm also a huge <laughs> michael del mundo fan and so i'm now searching out when i go to local comic shops in the areas when i go on vacation or trips trying to find those variant covers. And uh, if if there wasn't the variant cover market, I don't know if my collection would probably be a lot smaller. i probably have more money in my bank, Um, but I think it's something great. And I think having your opportunity to still do sequential interior art for books like True Call and New Your Station, but mm-hmm. also have the ability to still do variant covers. I think more people are gonna learn about who you are and what your art style is because of that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it you know there's certain people who 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 swear off variant covers they should not be around <laughs> and then there's mm. other people who there's other issues who like like TMNT's the last run had like 100 i think crossover had 100 bert mm-hmm. issue number 1 had 100 variant covers there's also a limit to the number of variant covers in my opinion that the book should have but <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I'm, i think I'm gargoyles was that right i not going to say anything
0: <laughs> i think gargoyles and um uh, Darkwing Duck was a similar thing with that. It was like when you looked at the previous world release for that, it was like cover GG. And I'm like, okay, when you're starting to do double letters
1: mm-hmm. on a
0: cover, that's a lot. And 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 yes, nowadays it's like virgin variant, non-virgin variant. It's foil mm-hmm. versus non-foil. Or it's metal versus non- so there is paper, that aspect of yeah. it. Yes. Different papers mm-hmm. that are on. You mentioned paper actually, I wrote a note on that. It's interesting. So you just uh, so there's people who went to the whole drawing digitally because it was easier and and you could do it basically anywhere and you can change things easier and things like that to actually the form where a lot of artists I see going back to drawing on paper Mm -hmm. um, for multiple reasons one they just kind of like it better and the other one is have an original print that they could sell because obviously that could be part of your income on, on making a living in the art industry in the comic book industry do you like also drawing on paper or is that really just so you have an original piece that you can do something with
1: yeah um i mean it's nice to have uh many revenue streams obviously but as somebody who's also an art collector like i made the decision early on actually tim daniel was one of tim daniel and scott uh my collaborator on true call was like hey you should um draw on paper more so that way you have some stuff to sell you know and i'm like oh Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. you're right, you're right, totally. But then when I had started doing uh, variants on, you know, inking on paper, usually my process is primarily digitally, and then I'll bring pencils uh, to paper, and then I will ink it. Um, I think my ink work traditionally is a lot stronger for variant covers. Um, And it's just like a different style that I work in that I really enjoy a lot. It just is more time consuming. And so the amount of sequentials that I've actually done on paper is a lot lower. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I've only done guar and my Dagger Dagger uh, piece uh, in terms of sequentials on paper Um, because it's just... Extremely time-consuming, and I'm going to be editing it in Photoshop anyway at some point, so, and depending on whether or not I'm going to have notes for a series or anything like that, digital is always just easier, but for editing, um, even, like, for frame of reference, uh, when I do Star Trek covers, a lot of notes that come in, I would say 90% of them are always going to be in terms of likeness, like, that's one of my strong suits, and so I think that's primarily why... I really enjoy doing uh, likeness covers. Mm -hmm. But editing somebody's face digitally post-traditional, like on paper, is a lot easier. um, Because I'm not making a lot of background edits. I'm typically not making any edits to the composition afterwards anyway. So Mm -hmm. sometimes, like, even my Picard um, original looks slightly different than the cover, obviously, because of, you know, you got to get his... Base correct, Patrick Stewart, right? Yes. Is that the correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, it's early in the morning. I haven't had my coffee 100% yet still. So I say early in the morning. It's 11 a.m. Um, it's okay. I'm so- probably the only person I could probably <laughs>
0: tell you that was in Star Trek because I am not, I just am not a Star Trek fan. Yeah. And so like to me saying that it's like, it's it's probably because I realized that he was he was in the X-Men and that's probably why I know <laughs> why yeah, he's yeah. in Star Trek.
1: You're like that after. Um, so... I really enjoy drawing on paper I you know it's something to like kind of talk about with other peers which is Mm -hmm. fun like oh what new pens have you gotten you know things like that tactile it's wonderful and also like you said uh you know art collectors are typically interested in buying originals um and it's nice for me to have now this like collection of like originals that I can sell um when you know when I wanna have that available. So yes. it's it's fun. And it also like, I don't know, it's like a more involved process and I like bringing mm-hmm. that to the table of my pieces, so.
0: It's funny though, cause I've, I've, I've seen, I mean, I've seen artists with the sale price of some of their co- variant covers that are far more valuable than what they actually got paid to do the original artwork. And oh, that's, yeah. that's yes. pretty, it's just the crazy thought process. I mean, the whole, business part of comics you can go on and on and mm-hmm. on about but like that having that option is a huge thing i mean uh a friend of the podcast ben bishop he has a couple of ben. covers great friend of the podcast. he's been a great friend for a long time he's amazing oh speaking of that on his instagram profile now it does say uh artist on the new york times best-selling uh Last Ronin graphic novel, so he is well using deserved. That.
1: <laughs> well deserved, honestly. I'd be like, I know him for the aggregate only. Yes, hmm. yes.
0: Which, <laughs> it's a sore subject because a lot of people are still waiting for aggregate too, Ben. Um,
1: well, listen, you can't he's not give busy up or turtles, anything, you know. Well now, yeah. well now,
0: well now, I can't blame him. He just had a baby, so I can't like now. It's like okay, take time off, <laughs> please take time off. But uh, he also doesn't uh, ink; he uses thick pencil. Like he actually yep. h- pushes harder and, and do, does, does, he does a technique on that. But his original artwork is selling for more than he got paid to do the variant cover for certain things too. And so mm-hmm. I, I, and I want a couple of them. And I'm like, I should have, I I really wanted the crossover uh, variant cover. He did uh, a, a number of years ago now that I was like, Oh yeah. He sent me a message, private message uh, on, on Instagram. He was like, I don't know. It's like four or $500, whatever you want to do. And I was like, ah, this time I don't want to pay Whatever I'll wait. But now it's on his website for about 1800. So I probably should have pulled the trigger trigger a while ago on that thing but uh, mm-hmm. it's it is one of those things i mean and my wife wanted to get me a, a scotty young uh original piece of artwork from his website and she realized that she didn't realize that she thought he was like a local small person and didn't didn't realize that his artwork should worth this was one piece on there i think for ten thousand, and i was just mm-hmm. like okay um uh, she's like we don't have that kind of money and i'm like it's okay i don't need it take out a <laughs> second mortgage you. for
1: your yes. scotty young. See, see you know
0: hey don't need that i have priorities. I have original prints of things that are numbered and things like that. That's as much as I need. It's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 a it's a great thing. It's a second source of income. It's it's it helps. I mean, a lot of us who are big fans of your your artwork or someone else's artwork, having that piece to be able to hang on the wall is is huge to me. I mean, I think it's huge that I have a couple of pieces on the wall that are prints that are like limited edition prints that are cool enough but if that was an original piece it'd be even cooler in my opinion so having that opportunity and, and sequential art on the inside so unless it's a really 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 captivating panels uh, you know, i don't see as many people wanting that as an original piece as they do what would want the original cover or a variant cover in my opinion
1: yeah i you know i have a lot of pages and I, it typically depends on what the content of that book mm-hmm. was so like for instance one of my favorite I have two pages that I own that are like, like if there's a house fire, those are the first things I grab off the wall. One is a page from the plot. uh, Mm -hmm. Josh Hickson, one of my favorite artists. It's a, this is very depressing, but it's the scene where the kids are at their parents' funeral. And uh, I relate to that scene quite heavily for a lot of reasons. So I was like, I'm going to buy this. I love jo- Josh's work. I want to support him, but also this page means a lot to me, you know? And so it's supporting, like, the mm-hmm. art rep and the artist, which is very fun. And also I get to look at that on my wall all the time, which is very fun. And my other one is a Clutching Paper Girls uh, been- page, which, you know, I'm not going to say what it is because a lot of people still haven't read it yet and it's a spoiler page, but it is, again... Coming with me if there's a house fire, you know what I mean. I, I can will see risk that. I
0: mean, <laughs> yeah. depending on the book. And I don't. I have a, a a wish list thing that I have out there that I don't want to say exactly what book it came from, so someone doesn't go, "Oh, that's a cool thing," and then buy it out from under me. Um, but there is a a a um, print plate. Uh, it was like it's the different colors, obviously C M Y K, and it's one for sale of one of my favorite comic books of all time, and it's just the metal plate that they use to print on. And I'm, I'm not assuming-
1: it's
0: a scout
1: book yes okay uh, that's all i'll say obviously
0: <laughs> but but the funny thing is is that it, it i don't know how to display it like i I feel like it's just one of those weird things that it would not be like as simple as just framing it or or it would lose some of the the coolness of it if you put it behind glass or something like that mm-hmm. so that's one reason the other reason is i just don't have the money to spend on this random shit but like That's one thing I was like, oh, it'd be really kind of cool to have is that print plate. And the funny thing is Scout is selling like page 18 and whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the actual creator is also selling a different page and and for the same price. And it's like, which one would I rather? I'd rather obviously pay the creator, but like, which page is the cooler page? (laughs) That's the other thing about yeah, it, like, yeah. which has the cool stuff on it. And a lot of times it's like the panel that, like, it's like, no one wants these. We don't want them. No one wanted them in the office. So let's put them up online and see if someone wants them. <laughs> and they're secrets of money from it. Yes, but it is a scope book. I will give like, that. But, like, and I don't care if someone buys it. They're the only of, ones
1: yeah. that I know that sell, sell the plates. Printing yeah. plates. Yeah. Like, I find that really interesting. I think that's a really cool, like, commemorative way to like enjoy the book more. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like, Uh, people who have the privilege of like investing in artwork or like use it as a priority I wouldn't necessarily say yeah both privilege and like who prioritize um art in their life to be able to buy a page or a printing plate or like a limited edition print or like even like a head sketch at a con or whatever right like it's so important and is such a big part of our industry I feel like that's not talked about a lot um and that's why cons are so great. And Like cons are see, like amazing yeah. for
0: that. Yes, that's that's. I, I mm-hmm. love that. And actually, a story that people who listen to the podcast are probably tired of hearing is: I'm a big George Perez fan, fan, and I will be for the rest of my life. And, and you know, rest in peace, George Perez. But. And it's one of the only pieces that my wife and I agree on that's allowed to be in the hallway of our house. Like a lot of my artwork and things that I own is in here. Um, I have Mm -hmm. two pieces of artwork in the living room. One is a, obviously we live in, we're in Maine and Scotty Young did a cool on black paper with white and yellow and red. It's the, uh, it's Georgie going into the sewer from it. And it's uh, only a hundred were made and I have that out there, which is pretty cool. And then I have a, um, um, Tim and Tim Anderson, Billy Anderson. Sorry, Billy Anderson. Uh, sketch or a, uh, a, pay- a page of uh, Billy Anderson's from an uh, uh, um, uh, X-Men comic book. But the the prime possession that I have is a Thanos head sketch from a convention in Massachusetts from George Perez. And That's
1: awesome.
0: The the meeting George and and just having a conversation. It was forty bucks. Ready for this? Forty dollars for the sketch, signed. As many comic books as I wanted, and took a picture with me for forty bucks. Next to that person was a famous person, quote unquote, famous person who was charging eighty dollars for an autograph and hundred dollars for a photo. And I thought to myself, like, is that autograph even worth? $100? I think it's how you prioritize
1: it. Like, I will say, as an artist who charges, uh, I actually yeah. someone complained about how much I charge for CGC stuff and uh you know hey that's fine but sometimes you know some of us have to pay for booths and stuff so you like make up for the you know the cost of that or I've seen like a lot of folks um talk about you know um like pricing for sketches things Mm -hmm. like that it's also How much they value their time being spent right and so if somebody's willing to invest that couple extra you know a little bit they it's almost like a connection point right like they're willing to be like oh man thank you so much for like spending a little bit extra money right like i'm only i'm playing devil's advocate here only because like george perez is like obviously national treasure right and for someone and the folks like chris claremont and things like that who don't charge for any signatures and, like, things like that. It's so cool to see how, like, some guys can do that at cons and then there's other folks and, like, everyone's just, um like, there should be, like, mutual respect amongst, Correct. you know, pricing and yes. things like that.
0: Yeah. And I'm thinking more on the the not the creators doing that. It's more of a celebrity of sorts. Like, it was more that the, the they – the best thing about this convention in Massachusetts was that George Perez was set up as one of the celebrity guests, not just in like Allie, uh, artist alley or things like that. Like they were actually set up in a booth next to a actor, um, oh, which cool. was kind of cool. And so the yeah. actor was the one charging photos in for, for autographs. And I was like, thinking to myself, I'm like, this person next to you has probably created the thing. That you're famous yeah, for, yeah. and they're charging less than you are, and that that, that was the one thing kind of like that irked me a little bit. But I've had every range of things: to people charging autographs, to people saying, "Hey, just buy something from my table, buy yeah, a print, yeah. buy something, and I'll sign a couple of comic books for you." Thank you for investing and da, 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 da. Awesome. And I've had that before with like I've gotten uh, prints like a, a buy all four sets, and I'll sign whatever you want. I'll go out and sign your vehicle. I don't care. But it was just like those kind of <laughs> cool things are cool. And then I've had other people who are like, "Okay, I charge." Whatever, three autographs for five bucks, or or anything over two free two free autographs is a charge or whatever, and then they say, okay, oh you're gonna get a sketch cover, cool, I'll do a little quick head sketch on the cover, and then anything else you want signed, I'll just do because you're already investing eighty hundred dollars into yeah. doing this, so they're like, oh, I'll sign a couple comic books for you too. It's also up to you guys as the creators to say, okay, if someone comes to your table with, you know they hear a rumor that True Cults being picked up, right? It's going to get a t- TV series. And they come up to your table with 17 number ones. And
1: mm-hmm. they want you
0: to sign all 17 of them. And you're like, okay, you're not keeping these. This is not for you to just be like, okay, I want to give these 17 to 17 friends. You Something know, that I true- learned.
1: <laughs> I watched one of my favorite creators one weekend. Somebody brought uh, ten, uh, 10 of the same, and they were... The person was like, "And what's your name?" To like write them all on each of them, and I was like, "What a boss move!" Boss move.
0: (laughs) And it's like, Uh, and it depends on what you like. I I have four or five copies of we don't kill spiders from joseph schmalky who's a good friend of mine and i have them at the house and i was just like those are ones that i think i love the book so much that i'm gonna i said, can you would you be willing to sign all five of these it's like absolutely for you and i'm not gonna sell them what they're gonna do is they're gonna end up getting like i have a friend of mine who's like oh, oh really interested in a new comic book here's this one and it's cool because it's signed by the creator yeah,
1: signed. yeah exactly
0: and, and, and that's actually one of the things i sent a copy of that to dc to have him sign. Aww, because Joe has signed awesome. it. I, he also has my true cult number one. So that's the other part that I I wanted. I, I'm doing it. You can't see it on the podcast here, but above me right up there is a shelf that goes all the way across and it's all mm-hmm. um, comics of guests that have been on here who have signed them either at conventions or I've had them, I've mailed it to them with return address to mail back so that I can create a little wall of guests' signatures on it. So the hope was that's eventually so cool. to get one to you to have you have it and DC Absolutely. have it. So, but um but yeah so i was like oh you i'm just not tell gonna him to bring
1: it to chicago this weekend because i'll be there you know
0: <laughs> I, I can track the return shipping dc i know where it is. No, um, <laughs> uh, the 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 having the the your creator you can say no you're gonna be mm-hmm. probably villainized on twitter for it because people are just idiots but like if someone comes to your table with 10 copies be like sure that's fine i'll sign one of them for free and every single one of them that's that's five dollars and it, or whatever mm-hmm. it, it's the collector market. It's the flipping market and all that stuff that can also hurt yeah. the creators as well. But you guys are also trying to make money. I mean, this is you're not. This is not your trying to do. This, this is not your, something you're doing for fun. Well, you are, but like, you got to pay bills. You have a studio. You have a house. You have a car. You know all exactly. that stuff too. So yeah, I can understand it. But Hell like, yeah, yeah the, it was the it was the. I hate because also this person's dead, so I don't want to talk about this person past. They're now dead, but like you are making money off of someone else's who's probably making less than you who created the intellectual property that you're oh yeah we're talking about did. movie
1: slash comics industry yeah that's like yeah whole... like that
0: that whole thing about cons it's like i've been to comic book conventions which had nothing to do with comic books and it's all just celebrities making money off of yeah something you like the, the actor who plays in true cults making more money mm-hmm. off of the 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 property of true cult than you did as a, as a creator of it would be is just the sad part that's that's we can go on for hours about that.
1: R.I.P. Like, <laughs> the day somebody I fan casted as Marty making more money than me. I, yes. He probably deserves it, but also, <laughs> please still buy my sketches.
0: Yes, exactly, right? Um, but you also have, so we talked about Drew Cole for a little bit. Let's, 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 we're going to finish up your pre soon, but I want to know about a little bit about Know Your So Know Your Station is currently in its run. Obviously, it's finished because for you, you're proud of it's finished because mm-hmm. issue, uh, the last issue was being dropped this month or in April or when this comes out, it will be no, it won't be. Whatever, in April, April nineteenth, issue five will come out. Um, it's it's different than True Cult. Like it, it, I like the uh, the idea that the colors are also. I have a little bit back here too. Uh, it's hard to see, but like it's got yes. the reds and pinks oh. and stuff. Yeah, like so it's up oh on my the God. wall. What? yeah right there see if anybody's watching i'm cool. gonna take a screenshot later t-shirt.
1: next to stray dogs too i love that That's thank you Tony
0: fleece a uh, little head sketch on there and and then we've got my other what's
1: the record below
0: it okay so this is a laser disc it's a laser <laughs> disc american tale fievel goes west is signed by <gasps> philip glasser who voiced Five O. okay so i, I, I love have...
1: fievel goes west so it's it signed like it's signed one by animated him movie that i will just sob the entire way through yes. that one and rockadoodle both of them just absolute cry city
0: so he came um, to the bangor comic at toy con in my my hometown uh to sign autographs and things like that here's another fun fact that you know it doesn't matter i no guarantee that he's to into the festival he gets the con just saying nope whatever i make i make cool and they loved having him so he's coming back in uh April to the main comic in ToyCon in Portland, Maine to sign more autographs and take photos with people. So I have a photo somewhere in here, somewhere, I don't know where it is with me and him and my son uh, which is pretty cool because I I cannot wait to show my son Five of Goes West and have him actually understand it because I've played it in background. He's been like, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) But yeah, so uh, that's a laser disc. Very, very rare laser disc. I do not have a laser disc I can't play it.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that you know, it's... Well,
0: actually he was next to you that's george Perez drawing my sketch right next to you so you have george Perez right there too you're in the you're in the company and that's a beer label that i designed but
1: that's a fantastic uh little area of uh, yeah i'm in the cool. center which makes me feel very blessed that's,
0: that's jim steranko over there but yeah that's a that's a fun little thing to have back there i like the little little thing yeah um i was gonna put true call there but dc hopkins has my true call number one uh not not to harp on things dc um but yeah so know your station is a little bit different it's not based in a burger joint it's based in space right i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's it it's the only difference people is that it's based in space it's not based in a burger burger joint <laughs> no um it's the wealthiest people in the solar system abandon earth for a private sanctuary in space, leaving the rest of us to die amidst cataclysmic climate change. First of all, it seems all too real. Okay, you're hitting home here. <laughs> well, <laughs> What's going on? One um, percent won't be safe for long. A murderer is on the loose and specifically targeting the super rich. So that's the simple. There's the, the solicitation on 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 previous world goes on from that. It's, uh, it's a 2021's breakout writer. From Eat the Rich. Sis. Is it Gailey? Sarah Gailey?
1: Yeah, Sarah Gailey. And... They also wrote um like books like uh, The Echo Wife. Yep. And um yeah, phenomenal uh, fiction writer, novelist. So
0: And rising star, Leonard Kankis. I love True the accolade. <laughs> yes. You know? And you got you 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 take a stab at the ultra wealthy and their dreams is of escaping. So How did this come about now? I mean, True Cult, obviously you were working on this at the same time as True Cult, because obviously the first issue came out when the fifth issue of, or the last issue of True Cult came out. How did this come about?
1: Um, There was a a tiny bit of an overlap, but surprisingly there wasn't a, like, a working overlap, which was nice. But my editor, who, so Elizabeth, uh, our editor on the book, was actually originally my Star Wars editor when I worked on Star Wars um, and uh, went to Boom at some point and sent me this pitch. And I was like, oh, wow, like I hadn't heard of uh, Gailey before. So um, I picked up some of their work and like had read it and read the pitch and was like, this is definitely for me. Like I had missed drawing sci-fi stuff. Um, I hadn't in about a year so uh, turns out you know like working with the entire team at Boom like on character designs like the ship everything like that it was very fun especially like this is the first time I've collaborated on a book and was paired up with somebody I didn't know so uh, Gailey and I are now um, I would say very close like the way that we essentially like started chatting like midway through just like working on the book was like totally opposite of how i'm used to working with folks so it was so much fun because i'd be like hey like what's your favorite movie because i'm about to draw this really fucked up scene yeah. in the book and like like what's your favorite movie that's like X, Y, and z like you know slasher blah 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 and so we'd like trade back and forth, like music recommendations, uh, film and stuff like that. It was just very fun. Um, And I was finally able to work with like Elizabeth for the first time, like on a long term project, which was so awesome and like, great time. Um, And we just wrapped up and I am very sad about it. But you know, there's always a second life to a book. And we will be promoting it constantly when it's like available for trade, which is great. Um, And I'm very excited for everyone to finally read the last issue because, wow, what a series.
0: What Uh, a series. I I was trying to look up something on our website, uh, uh, caseintights.com, about Know Your Station. And I laughed because I just typed in Know Your Station in the search, which is weird for me to do. Um, And every single Boom article that we've ever written comes up because at the very bottom of their press releases, it says such-and-such such is the newest from whatever, and you know your station's always written in that thing, so now it comes up with every single one. Really? <laughs> yes, but I was looking up this post specifically because uh, my friend, who is the LCS uh, owner in in Bangor, Galactic Comics and Collectibles, cheated on our top 10 comic books of 2022 because the rule was multiple issues had to be released in 2022, but his number ten of the year was No Your Station. Because oh, thank you.
1: <laughs> because
0: he cheated. He could, it could be on uh, this year. It so can't be on next. Allowed,
1: okay. Like let's just let it happen. You know. Um, yes. it's funny because I now that you say that we were listed, I think once or twice, um, for like best comic of the year, even though we only had one issue out. I was like, mm-hmm. oh. Like I am not used to one being tagged in like best comic of the year yet, and number two, like for only having had one issue out.
0: But you know, the issue the issue is fantastic, and that's the thing, and that's what got me caught on. Like obviously, True Cult was amazing, and then mm-hmm. Know Your Station right after that. Like it was like I don't even know was it, did they come out come out within weeks of each other? The issue the last issue yeah. of True Cult and the first yeah. issue of Know Your Station, and there just so much happens and so much cool the the way that uh is it Saint Bridget Bridget Bridget, mm-hmm. Bridget? uh the computer Bridget. system yeah, the AI system the way that it's portrayed and has this like swooping like it almost like you can see it but you can't yeah. because it's talking out there's all those little small things in it the, the the crime part about it the solving a mystery the space uh the the the, the graphicness of it they, all of that one first of all it definitely is a boom book I want to say that it fits perfectly at boom in my opinion as well as it's just well-crafted. And I think that first issue is, everybody should just read the first issue and you'll be hooked to get to the rest of the issues as well. I I would I didn't put it on mine because I didn't cheat. You know, Paul cheated. And <laughs> it, so it's funny about that is like, I really liked it. And so what happens is it ends up on my preliminary note on my phone, iPhone for 2023 Best Comics of the Year because obviously if it was one of my favorite from the end of 2022 and it didn't qualify. It's gotta be on that list for 2023. And then, and then I was like watch su two is gonna suck. Just is gonna, he's gonna blow up in his face? <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't. It, it didn't obviously continue on. But um, but it was just it's an unbelievable story. I love space. My, my son's name is Nova, not named after like the comic book characters. Why weirdly enough? But it's it's named after the idea. My wife and I both love the name, and we love the idea of like supernova and space and things like that. Yeah. And so anything that's related space related is always is fun on that sense too. And anything. Uh, um, murder mystery add that to it and in this this i don't know craziness that happens on, on board the space station is is amazing the 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 ship i should say uh it is amazing so definitely worth picking up for anybody out there and if you're a fan of all boom comic books you'll, i think you'll be a fan of, of, of know your station as well it fits perfectly there in my opinion yeah and i'm you guessing like you would boom, agree
1: if you like a Who Done It,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and if you like uh you know near gaily i feel like most people are gonna love this book it's I mean, by far one of the craziest things I've ever done. It's and there's so twists,
0: twists, and turns. Like I'm obviously not going to mm-hmm. give anything away, but like things that I did not expect to happen <laughs> were happening. Like it was just like one of those things where I'm like, oh, I'm getting around, and I'm like, oh, God, I did not see that coming, which is funny because I usually do see a lot of these things coming. So that, I mean, I, I, it's a mixture of the creative team you got there, which I should also call out. Um, we have Rebecca Nalty, right? Mm-hmm. Who is yeah. the Love uh, colored, and then Cardinal Ray is the letterer. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then the logo is, it's so simple, but so perfect. Becca Carey did that logo for for the comic book too. And Becca
1: Carey did all of the B covers. So beautiful. So beautiful.
0: The the one thing as a designer, graphic designer, I would honestly give graphic design book a word forever to Boom. I think Boom does an unbelievable job with all of the team and creative teams they have and, Mm -hmm. and the creators they have aboard. To make these books look just like the professional like there's some books yeah. out there from companies that you would think some of the big two that you think were made by professionals then you open the book and you look at the book you're like who put this thing together but I'm not going to get into that <laughs> <laughs> i've gotten into that too many times with people about logos of comic books that i've been like i don't understand why some people it passes through so many people and it goes to the shelf and you look at the shelf and it's like this logo just does not fit anything that's going on in this book, and I said, Know your station has a very simple, just a font. It's great in a specific spot, and it looks great. So, awesome job."
1: Thank you. I will relay that to the phenomenal team.
0: <laughs> um. So yeah, it's a re- it's a great book, and the trades coming out this um, fall, probably September. It's actually kind of funny mm-hmm. you have, you are you're going to be promoting a trade to coming out in August, and then you have another one to have to come out in September, which is great Fun for fact. you. So.
1: Three books actually, because oh, really? my Mad Cave graphic novel is finally coming out that I drew, I think, in 2020, um, which is also coming out in between both of those books. What's the book uh, it's called, called Rico Between uh, Rico Between Worlds? Uh, it's a it's written by Matt Riman, colored by Rebecca Nolte, okay, uh, lettered by Micah Myers, and it's uh, very sad. Uh, it's also sci-fi it's like sad alien breakup comic book it's very cute and very good and highly recommend if anyone likes you know kind of like the Laura Dean is breaking up with me but also like you know if you're a fan of like paprika the anime Mm -hmm. or like you know very bizarre and it's like a totally different style than what I've usually drawn so it was very fun to work on and if you're already picking up True Call and Know Your Station, you might as well pick
0: up all three. Yes. You know? And fun fact, one of my favorite publishers of the past couple of years is Mad Cave. So there's Oh, too. sick. So uh, St- uh, Stefano Cardicelli, Cardicelli's book, Don't Spit in the Wind, hits shelves this week, uh, which is unbelievable. Awesome uh, book. Stefano's a great artist on that too. And then there's like a bunch of other stuff. Mark London actually has come on the podcast too to talk. Oh, nice. Uh, so Mark's a great Podcast fan. and their marketing team is great. I'm sure I'll get something. I usually get a little tube that comes in the mail that says Mad Cave on it, and it's usually got a poster in it or some stickers or something uh, from them when they're supporting uh, some sort of product they're putting out. They did um, was it uh, the Carmen line, which is <laughs> maybe we just mentioned the judging a book by its cover. So a buddy of mine picks up Carmen line right off the mm-hmm. shelf, the graphic novel off the shelf, opens up to a page that's very sexually graphic. <laughs> It's like the first experience he has is not just the the cover looks cool because it's like a guy in a spacesuit with like a skull, so it's like a dead person in a spacesuit. He's like, "Oh, this is pretty cool," but the first page is like literally someone doing some sexual positions that just threw him for a loop. He's like, "Oh my That's god!" That's as if you I...
1: opened up Saga number one like <laughs> yes. at the shop, you know. Same <laughs> well, vibe.
0: Yeah, it was just kind of funny. I'm like, I promised you, there is that in it, but there's other stuff. You really should read this book called The Karma Line from Dennis Hopeless. Like, please do it. <laughs> I'm oh like, my oh gosh. god, now this person's like, it's like one of those. They should be like, he's like, it should have been in a black bag. I'm like, I get out of here, get out of here. Um, but yeah, so you have three books coming out at in mm-hmm. the middle of the year or, or towards the end of the year, I should say. But um, and you're doing conventions. You're at C2E2 coming up, right? Yep. This will actually release on Wednesday, so
1: awesome Before yeah event. so c 2 E 2 and i'll also be it, um i'm a guest at huntsville comic expo as well
0: awesome those are coming up so the c 2 E 2 is this weekend uh march mm-hmm. april march april 1st what is the date <laughs>
1: march 30th through april okay, go. 2nd i think yeah maybe That's it's
0: the 31st yeah. 31st it's 31st and when do you yeah. know when the huntsville one is
1: april
0: is it the next weekend or the weekend after that
1: no it's uh two weeks after i think
0: okay okay sometime in april which is yes, great yes. look it up people but they're not invited you did variant covers for star wars you're not going to celebration <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: that's a sore subject for me i really wish i was going <laughs>
0: i wish I, the funny thing is i was trying I to first to of to all celebration. first of all star wars celebration sucks at telling you what the dates are because if you go to their website it's nowhere like, it's not anywhere mm-hmm. on there. It's like the, if you go to their website on a computer, it says it in the logo space. If you go on your phone, there's like literally nowhere. And I went to their Instagram to try to find out on it. So I scrolled far enough back. And it was so funny. I was like, I, they, I've heard it on another podcast, they're like, oh my gosh, is there that many Star Wars fans in London? And I go, yes, I think there is a lot of that many Star Wars fans in London because they literally posted tickets and like they were sold out of tickets within. Like hours of other the. I think world.
1: it's a, like a lot of like hardcore fans who willing to yes. just like fly Try out that. for it, right? Because it used to be in Orlando, and mm-hmm. now it's Orlando, LA, and London, London now, yeah. which is like it's great because y- you want to spread out, like mm-hmm. you know, great right that just... a convention can like yes move around and do that, which I'm very jealous about because I still yes I wish I was. Invited and are going. That's
0: stuff too. Well, we uh, yeah. So I was just uh, trying to say the people that we've had on. I you mean, know, you know, there's there's definitely and people are coming up that are going to be there too, which is pretty exciting because I'll be able to talk to them after they mm-hmm. were there too. Um, but yeah, and we're actually having a yeah. Heather, Anto- Heather Antos is actually coming on the podcast.
1: Yes. So Heather, I said hi.
0: I will. Uh, and yeah, so you've been a lot of great stuff going on. I'm very excited that I, I you got to, you were able to come on and chat with stuff. Oh my! Gosh, comic books yeah. and all this stuff so with us
1: too you'll yeah. have to come
0: back for sure uh maybe when we get closer to your graphic novel coming out because that'll be fun we'll be right in the middle of that sometime Absolutely. at the end of the summer we'll talk about that too and uh you know maybe at some point i'll have a poster because i do have a don't i just realized that i was when i was saying this about the poster there's a don't spit on the wind poster hanging right here that Mad cave just sent me in the mail I was like well now i feel like i have to hang it up <laughs> like i can't yeah. <laughs> waste money on me i don't want to do that but for uh, mark london's book um no no i got it stop kill hunt kill repeat he did a book recently called Hunt Unkill Repeat. And they sent me a scroll that came from Zeus. It was on this cool paper and it had like this tie around it with a wax like stamp on it. And wow. it said it was a letter from Zeus with a poster and all that stuff. And I was like, Okay, Mad Cave, stop putting other people to shame here. Let's 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 go here. We love so, a good
1: marketing plan.
0: If you don't have one for you speak to Mark over there at Mad Cave, say where's my Zeus scroll? No. Um. Where's
1: my Zeus scroll?
0: Yeah. Yeah. For no reason because it has nothing to do with my book, but I just want a Zeus scroll. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so uh check out obviously pick up the last issue i'm hoping they're all sold out all over the world Um, but if know your station is available or true cult is in someone's back stock grab that it helps the local column book shop to get rid of some of their back stock but yes. also it's a great book to read if you're trade waiting obviously in august you can pick up true cult and uh know your station but let your lcs know like if you're ahead of time, like say now, just tell them now. Please. Most of them will write a note down on their computer or do something so they can get it in before final order cut off and get those sent in. And so they're not scrambling or or over-ordering or under-ordering. Or only obviously.
1: under-ordering. Yeah, I was about to say, if they know you like it, they might know that another customer might like it. So they might order a couple, which would be awesome.
0: Which is what happened a lot of times. I'll say I wanted, so I had Mark Bernardin on the podcast uh, a couple episodes ago who wrote um, Adora in the Distance for, for Comixology. And mm-hmm. I I hadn't read it yet, so I was like, oh, let me get a chance to read this. I'm, I could read it on complexology, but I'm like, I kind of want to also have the physical book as a collector. And uh, so I had my LCS order it, and he ordered two or three copies, and they sold out that week. So it's like, yeah, if you if you say you want it, likely the LCS is going to order one or two or three copies so that they could put it on the shelf. Uh, yep. Anyway, they're they're paying to have it shipped to them anyway. They would sell a couple copies to pay for that shipping, and so yeah, uh, yeah. So check out your LCS for those and and. If not, do you have an online store too, or do you, do you not do online?
1: Yeah, I will have my pop up after Huntsville uh, Comic Expo. So okay. hopefully sometime in April or May and and on so, my regular website, just leonakangus.com.
0: Which I also will give you credit. You actually have a bio and pictures and things like that. There's some other yeah. people out there just like ambiguously on the internet, and you're like finding pictures from them when they were like 17 years old. <laughs>
1: You know, and two, I was going to say, for those, like, if anyone wants to support me outside of, like, you know, just buying a book, I also have a Patreon that you can get, like, I am doing exclusive prints this year that won't be reprinted, so um, most of them are, like, pop culture reference related, like, I think January I did Pearl and Decidil at, like, the White Stripes, like, Mm. you know, version album, and I just did a Tame Impala-inspired Mandalorian print for February, um, and so you can get that for a pretty low price mailed directly to you, which is very fun. And I love including weird stickers and stuff that I make as well. So, um, that's also available. If you don't want to wait to buy a book from my store or, you know, please call your local comic shop and order some stuff from them too. But you
0: know, but as I always say to everybody is that you're a little small business in the same way a local comic book shop is too. So if you can support both, please do that because, you know, and in the end, Buy the book wherever the book is sold because in the end it still supports and shows that people like Liana's Absolutely. work. So it's not so this is not one of those things that like d- don't not buy it because you're trying not want to try to buy it on a big store online or someone like that like still buy it because it still shows the support and, and people want to read this thing and, and someone will hire Liana in the future.
1: <laughs> yes. We'd love to see me on more new books.
0: <laughs> exactly. In more variant covers. We're going to start <laughs> I gotta start a book, a box now for your variant covers, right? We got You'll we'll be next to Scotty and Michael Del Mundo, and then Liana, right? That's what this is gonna be right here.
1: That is phenomenal company to be in. Yes, I would love that. Next, <laughs> next time we record, it has to be there.
0: All these things back there are just gonna have to be changed. <laughs> Where'd <laughs> all your stuff go? I just had to show my support. No, um, yeah. but yeah, and also, uh, I mentioned off-panel on you. I'm gonna give him a shout out to David Harper. Follow his podcast and all that stuff. He's a great dude uh, as well. So, anything else you want to promote or, or 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 say or anything like that?
1: No, just thank you and everyone be good to each other and, you know, be safe and buy comics and thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. This was a great time.
0: Absolutely. I'm pumped. And at least your car didn't get stolen. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Time. <laughs> Future podcast. We'll talk about someone's car getting stolen. That's a little, a little uh, What's the call? a little foreshadowing there for another episode in the future of someone's car getting stolen uh, i don't name my episodes like like uh um david harper does it off panel but if i did that podcast with that person would be called like stolen car or something you know it would be mm-hmm. so thank you so much leona for coming on and talking comic books and so on and so forth obviously follow you on twitter and instagram and all that stuff too i'm sure if you just typed in leona kangas on those things you'll find you because I'm pretty sure there's no one else named.
1: My username on everything. Yep.
0: Uh, and, and if you want to be in the wonderful world of Twitter, I don't know how many people want to be there, but you can get there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Thank you.